podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed. And well, we always say we, we try to do these shows in a way that when we record them, it doesn't really matter too much when you listen. We try to kind of keep them open a little bit rather than talking about what's happening today that's going to be old, old news by tomorrow. And it can be hard sometimes with, with Liverpool because there's so much happening. But um, I think at this time of year, no one knows what day of the week is anyway, do they? It's like you just you lose track because... You're having days off if you're lucky like me. I've had a couple of days off and then you've got days off to come and then um, you think you've got absolutely ages left yet to buy your prezzies, then you realise you've not and you've relied on couriers. And yeah, it's that time of year, that wonderful time of year. So it doesn't matter when we're recording this, but I'm sure that you you will be listening to it sometime around Christmas or the holidays, wherever you celebrate. And um, happy holidays and that. But Jay, it's... Um, it's now finally about to be the start of a new season because that World Cup's gone, been and gone and over with, isn't it? At last, yeah, and we got sucked in. Um, <laughs> and if you weren't, if you weren't sucked in by a game of football last night, as we record on a Monday afternoon, the World Cup final, you know, often finals in, in major competitions can be bigged up and billed as you know the pinnacle of the sport. And last night, it well for the for the most part, it was a bit, you know, second gear, third gear, but come 75, 80 minutes when France actually decided that they could play football rather than mm. just take part in a 90-minute in a walk about the pitch, um, it sparked into life and it, it became, for me, what I've seen, the, the best World Cup final. Um, and thankfully, I won a few quid out of it. I was sat waiting for Mbappe <laughs> to be top scorer in Argentina to win the thing. Um, so when Messi scored, that went three two. I was cursing because obviously Argentina were winning, but Mbappe weren't top scorer again. So it all fell nicely for me. Um, and yeah, it might be Christmas, but the missus has already got a holiday and that money spent. So I might have won, <laughs> but I've, I've also lost because I've now got to pay for the holiday. Yeah, that's the thing. You couldn't even keep it quiet about when you celebrated your win because like you couldn't sort of hide yeah. that one. You were so excited and oh, oh, about that. Let's have a look at that money. Then. Why, why are you cheering for Mbappe <laughs> to score and Argentina to win? I was like, I, 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 I'm busted. <laughs> that's it. You've done that, aren't you? I um, yeah. I was surprised actually because I thought, I mean, I actually thought Argentina were going to win, and I thought they'd probably they'd probably win comfortably and stuff like that, and it was looking that way. And then when it got to the end of ninety and that, and I thought. These teams look knackered, and you see time and again in finals when it gets to extra time, it's just two teams survive until penalties. But that wasn't; they were like they just kept going for it. So that, if anything, is there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this World Cup. A lot of them about the negative things that have happened, but there's a lot of good maybe to be learned in between things. And that was definitely one of them. Like whatever was going on in that game, that we need more games like that, don't we? Yeah, it was a bit like a 
heavyweight sort of boxing match in terms of like they felt each other out for so long and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what, we're in, we're in this and one of us has got to win and they were just slugging at each other and it was it was good to see because as you say, like quite often, like especially in, in World Cups, you sort of do get some dire games but, you know, looking back, there was, there was quite a lot of, you know, enjoyable moments, quite a lot of decent games. I think it was weird. Obviously, no one really knew how it was going to work, slotted into the middle of a season. Um, and I still don't know how the rest of the season is then going to pan out because nobody really knows. Um, and went into it with an open mind and, yeah, got suckered into it. But it's kind of nice to watch football from a mutual point of view and not really have anything on it. Um, maybe a couple of quid, but yeah, it was, it was good to probably sit back and enjoy football. But you're emotionally not too involved, so it's it's I don't know it, it's a bit strange to describe, but you kind of want the emotion, you want the raw feeling of yeah being back in being Anfield or sitting at home and you know everything matters. Those three points matter, um, yeah. where you know game games in the World Cup. If you're not wholeheartedly invested in the nation, then they don't really matter too much to you. But we've grown up on Liverpool, and you know that's what we're we're here to talk about. That's what we're here to. To do week in week out, support them, and you know it can't come back quick enough to see the the lads in the red chairs again. No, that's it. And I think you're watching a final like that, and you literally you're an observer. Whereas when it's your team, you're a participant. Like you are kicking every ball, even though you're actually kicking your mate stood next to you or whatever. But you, you you're part of it. You you're feeling everything. You're fighting for it. We, we even if you sat at home, you sort of you're investing everything into getting your team through whatever it is and you're doing all your superstitions and all the rest of it um, in a way it's maybe, maybe good for the heart and the health to watch someone else's um, torture instead and I always find like a sort of in games like that I'm kind of like working out who's the underdog in, and to me France were the underdog and I kind of quite often like to see the underdog win but then at the same time like you sort of enjoy knowing that the team that's really good and deserves to win instead of it being some Someone who's kind of fluked the way through because you've seen that in other World Cups as well, where teams have just like been miserable, miserable to watch, boring football, and they've just sort of ground out results in the group stages and sneak through the knockouts. But you know that that was that was proper football. That was the kind of football you could make a movie of, which I'm sure FIFA will because anything to make money. Um, which actually makes brings us nicely onto something that Tony mentioned when he was on the pod a couple of weeks ago, which is about um, the Club World Cup because apparently. According to Gianni, um, what is he? What is he? Is he gay? He's an immigrant. Is he an immigrant worker? I can't remember. He's he's he's, he's everything, isn't he? Gianni, he's Alcantino. probably one of chances elves this week. He is. Yeah, he's probably him that's wrecked your tree or whatever. He, he's everything to everyone. Obviously, much loved figure in his own house. If there's no one else in, <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently um, something Tony was sort of alluding to is um, Qatar maybe could be a host of Club World Cup with 32 men's teams in June 2025. Yeah, because club footballers, you know, don't need a summer off. I know, you know, in the this current climate, it's not, you know, a, a, an easy topic to bring up that, you know, footballers who are very highly paid. But I think as Tony was saying and yourself, it, it's sort of the, the going rate for, for what they do. They don't, yeah. you know, it's not their choice at really at the end of the day it's the game the business that they're in that has made them you know on them sorts of wages you know bankers and accountants you know no no one really says mm. you know you should be on 
minimum wage because it's just a business that you're in. Unfortunately, that's um, how the world works. But in this, obviously, the current climate of, of the UK, where a lot of people are underpaid and underappreciated for what they do, um, you know, it seems a bit of a harsh one to be saying, you know, you're flogging these footballers who are playing. But at the end of the day, they are going to be playing all year round for the next two or three years or whatever it is because, you know, the majority of them will be playing in Euros and then this Club World Cup, if it goes ahead or looks like it goes ahead, um, and then the following 2026 World Cup. So every single summer, um, season on season, it's rolling, rolling them over. And yes, they do get opportunities to get, you know, some holidays and, you know, they're, they're highly paid for what they do. But at the end of the day, they're still still doing a job and us as fans of Liverpool Football Club want to see them do the best we want to see them win you know the league and the Champions League that's the the bread and butter that's what we were born and raised on but these sorts of trophies that they're, they're making up just so you know pockets can be lined of those who don't really need any more lining in them pockets because they're very deep enough um, just thinks of you know like greed and self-obsession because FIFA have never been happy that you wait for at the Champions League and that's the golden goose and they've always wanted to do something and yeah you mentioned it with Tony a couple of weeks ago and he said don't be surprised if it comes back and lo and behold mm-hmm. 10 days later or something like that it's popped its head up and next time you're on with Tony he might have more insight to to the goblins on around it than you or I but yeah it just sort of like the end of the World Cup oh we're going to drop this one in as well in, in a couple of years time so you know, we might not have the countries available, but we'll have the clubs available. And heaven knows how it's going to work, how you qualify, how you, you you don't qualify, how the structure works. I've got no idea. And right now, I'm not really interested. No, they'll probably make something up as they go along, like they usually do, and then listen to everyone's complaints about it and try and tone it down a bit. Um, as long as they can keep that dollar sign lit up the same way with whatever they do, they'll be happy. And I actually said, I think, in the pod when I was talking to Tony, this might be what kind of triggered triggered this, this this discussion in that podcast, was that the way money is in football and the way the thing is with the Super League and that, that the international game, like Liverpool FC have no control over the international game. They have to give the players up for it. They don't get a penny out of it. They lose money if a player's injured in it. Or maybe there'll be some compensation, but compensation's not the same as, um, you know, a bit of cash back doesn't get you your... You, your main striker back for the, those three months that he's missing because he got injured while playing for his country or whatever. So it, it, I felt it's only a matter of time before the clubs start sort of taking over and wanting almost to sort of drive international football out of the way so that they can take over. And, you know, it feels like it's inevitable that this kind of thing is going to happen because it's all about money. And the, the, the other problem to all this is you've got UEFA, which is one body that's trying to make money, even though it's supposed to be like not for profit. I'm sure it's said it's not for not for profit. They don't seem to act that way. FIFA sort of um, from the same town, almost based in the same town in Switzerland, basically, and similar kind of mentality. It's all about making money. Then you've got within within Europe, you've got all the leagues. Obviously, in this country, the Premier League. That's just. Um, I don't know, chances coming in, owning clubs, trying to make money out of them, and some good people, some bad, that's the thing with football, and it's it's like, the bit that you never hear mentioned when all of this stuff gets spouted is what it means to fans, because I can't believe that you're going to have a 32-team club tournament in the summer, and it be of, of 
as good quality as you would expect it to be for what it's build builders being unless you ruin the quality of what's going on in the in the main domestic season because you can't put everything in all season so to so if the if somehow the club world cup became much more prestigious with that, despite it being diluted to 32 teams then what are you going to do in the league in your league running you're going to start dropping plays and things it's going to end up being what's more important winning the league or qualifying for the club world cup next year and that that to me you know we're on a road to ruin with football unless someone just somehow gets a, gets a grip of it yeah but i don't think we ever will because yeah. there's there's so many bodies who've got the fingers and you know in the pie of the football game like for example we take part in four different competitions, the FA Cup, the EFL Cup, the Champions League and the uh, Premier League. Mm. So, you know, they, they all want, like, every single one of them competitions and the bodies behind them and the people, you know, who are got a vested interest in it and, and line in probably their own pockets all want Mo Salah on show in every game. They all want, you know, Virgil van Dijk there for every game and the harsh reality is, well, you have to prioritise and as Liverpool have done in, in recent years up until last year, the domestic cups are the ones that, you know, Klopp and the management team deem less important. And if we're all honest as fans, we, we all enjoyed those moments at Wembley last year and the, and the cup runs. But if someone said to you, right, well, you can, we've got a game coming up in three or four days time against Man City. If it was offered, you lose to Man City, but you are, you know, guarantee another run to the Champions League final and, you know, a top three or four finish in the league, you probably bite someone's hand off and say, yeah, that's great because what's gone before in this season for us has not exactly gone to plan. But the bread and butter at the end of the day is the league and the Champions League because, you know, that's what we've, that's the, the biggest prize that's, we, that's available to us. So I don't know it. I don't think it'll ever be solved because football is. It's a business now. It's not a game. It's a it's a game that's involved in in a business, and the amounts that are involved and the greed of everybody in those higher echelon positions will only continue because it's spiraling like way out of control in terms of the, the money's revalue. It that had well gone. That's twenty thirty years ago. That went when the Premier League probably started, but it seems to be getting more and more crazy at the moment. And you know, you look at the the figures touted around for. You know, potential buyers of Liverpool like three billion yeah. quid. Like, who's got three billion quid in this world? Like, if you have got three billion quid in this world, you could solve a hell of a lot more problems. You know, buying a football club, and that's us speaking as fans of our football club. Yeah. We want to see it be successful, but it's a hell of a lot more important things that three billion quid could be going towards than than trying to solve Liverpool. As much as we want to be successful. And the sort, of, um, the sort of person who's got three billion quid and thinks spending it on a football club is a good idea, you have to wonder, well, what are they like? Because I don't know any like lifelong Liverpool fans who've got three billion. I mean, I know a lot of lifelong Liverpool fans. I don't know anyone who's got that kind of money even close to it. So um, what kind of person are you going to get? I mean, you've only got to look at a certain social media network to see what happens when someone with lots of money gets control of something and treats it as a big play thing and thinks it's all a load of fun and doesn't really care what happens as long as he's having his fun. If that, you know, if that if that happened in um in football, what would you end up with? I suppose Newcastle found out. But you know, it's 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 not it's not um it's not right. And when when Liverpool was getting taken over last time, 
Um, so when FSG came in, before that there was all the uproar with the the previous owners, the Cowboys, as we used to call them. They, they, they. You know, we, when we knew what the club was worth, there was a lot of talk about people even being able to buy a share in the club. Like one of the ideas that someone came up with, which was not really well thought through, because he just threw this figure out as being a sort of reasonable figure that people could find to invest in the club that they would never get back if they did they'd only get their eight grand back because it was eight grand he said that we could all throw in the price of a small family car which he probably isn't nowadays let's face it um it was it was like eight grand yeah we can all throw eight grand in and that that is like out of reach for most people to just suddenly find a casual eight grand they don't need but it's so much more in reach than what it would be now for the equivalent because the equivalent now the club's worth literally 10 times as much so now they'd have to find eighty grand, which is it's crazy. Yeah, just I don't know. With, with football, it, it's now become like not really relevant what what figures are. So you know, mm. even touching on like you know potential transfers that we're looking at, like Jude Bellingham and Enzo Fernandez are the two hot names on on everyone's lips who are potentially of interest or to us and where of interest to them sort of thing. I don't know how, you know, how deep it goes, but you know, hundred million quid each is just banded about like yeah. you know, it, it, it's 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 small change. Um which obviously we know it's not because one, we've never spent a hundred million pounds on a player ever before. Um as much as some media outlets would like lead you to believe that Darwin Nunes was a hundred million quid, which he was never no. never is a hundred million quid even with all the you know, sticky bits and all the shiny things added on to it. He will never be 100 million quid. Um, but it's just put out there like it's a sort of, you know, an easy figure. Like, like go back to the times when you, you'll know more than I were like, this is the first million pound player or the first 10 million pound transfer when Alan Shearer went for 15 million pound to, mm. to Newcastle. And that was like, Jesus, that's record money. It was mad when he went to Blackburn for three and a half million though. Yeah. And then like five minutes later it was fifteen. It yeah. Was crazy. It, it's just it's spiraled out of control and like now you know you you you're forty five million quid, you're hundred million quid. It, it's it's neither here or there to, to your your fans because you know we've got no control and we've got no say if if someone costs a certain amount of money then then so be it. Like it's not gonna influence our fandom of them. Like, you know, some people might have more harsher views on players if they've cost a certain amount of money, but at the end of the day, what the money involved in football now is way out of anything that like a fan can compare to and you know luckily as a as a club Liverpool I've done a decent thing in, in recent times and it sort of, you know, stabilised ticket prices because, you know, FSG did try that once and we all seen it went hell of a wrong way for them and they quickly backtracked on it and, and apologised for it. And um, Just speaking to my friends in work who are of the blue persuasion, their <laughs> ticket prices are going up next season. And I was like, well... They charge? They actually charge for tickets? Yeah, yeah, oh but God. they're going up next season. <laughs> I said, do you know what that is? That's because, you know, this shiny new thing that you're getting built on the waterfronts. They're just bumping your prices up next season so when they go to the new one, it goes up again. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Before you know it, you're going to be paying more than us to watch that. Yeah. And he's like, 
I know. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'll have to reconsider whether I'm going to start going again. So I, you had him on his own there, didn't you? If he wasn't on his yeah. own, they'd have been, they'd have been far more defensive about that. But oh, yeah, yeah but he was like, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can really justify it or I might have to stop taking me, lad. And I was like, but it's probably for the best. You don't want to corrupt him anyway. He's only yeah. a seven-year-old kid. He's got cha- He's got time. Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, for example, they all started off as blue and all seen in blue kits and... Yeah, he could have, easily gone, could have easily took a wrong turn. Well, he did, or you know, eventually got the right turning, didn't he? It's like the other thing about about transfers and stuff and money always makes me laugh. Is things like I I can't remember the exact figure now, but when the pound wasn't as as shit against the euro as it is these days, we we bought Fernando Torres, who gets a good few mentions on this show for some reason, and the figure we paid, we kept seeing the figure. So the figure would be reported in Spain in in euros. And before you know it, it's been reported over here as the exact same number, but with a pound sign in front of it. So all of a sudden, you know, say it was twenty five million pounds, that would have maybe been say twenty million euros at the time. So we pay twenty million uh sorry, the other way around, sorry, twenty five million euros, twenty million pounds. So all of a sudden this twenty million pound player became a twenty five million pound player because people were switching the pound signs around. Also, people do things like the other day done about in your house every christmas we have to get the the christmas radio times which we never read but it's kind of been a tradition going back for years just to see what's on the telly over christmas um it's just a big thick book that tells you there's nothing on the telly over christmas but i bought that the other day and it was and it was more than i thought it was over a fiver because you know it's been a while since i paid any attention to what it cost but i remember saying to the missus what it it was and she asked and i said i think it was 565 and then she looked no 525 now that 40p means nothing does it but when we're talking about transfers, it's like, oh, it was five fifty-two and a half million. Oh no, it's fifty-six and a half million. That four million quid just randomly gets thrown around like like it doesn't matter. Um, that's how silly football has got because the figures were flying around with like, you, what would you do with that four million quid? You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's crazy the football and, and the figures in it. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that FIFA have jumped on that with the Club World Cup and any way they can. And I'm sure. The Premier League and the Super League clubs will all be thinking, "Why are you doing what, basically what we were kind of trying to do in a different way?" And it's it's going to be it's going to be sort of once again a sideshow, isn't it? To what what we're really interested in, which, as you say, is the football. And thankfully, now that thing's over and done with, we've got one of the one of the competitions that we're involved in off one of the organisers, which is the EFL. Now they, I don't think they take their cup that seriously as much as they should, because I'm still sort of annoyed with them from when we were played in the more reasonable version of the Club World Cup a couple of years back. And we had to literally play the kids against Aston Villa in the League Cup because they couldn't find a way of somehow just squeezing it into the calendar that we could play Villa when we at least had some of our players back. So we didn't even have Klopp running. We didn't even have Pep or anyone. It was literally the reserves went and played Aston Villa's first team. And to me, that was one of the many signs of our that was devaluing that competition because they couldn't think of a way. They were like, how dare you go and play in the Club World Cup? How dare you see that as more important than our 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 competition? You'll have to play your kids then. And that still kind of rankles with me all this time. And even though we've won it since and it's a big cup to us, again, it, it just winds me up how football is. So not through the EFL's fault, though. We're going to kind of be in the same boat now, aren't we? Because one of our players... Ibra was involved in the World Cup on Sunday. On Thursday, Liverpool are playing the first game post-World Cup against Man City in the EFL Cup. So it's um, going to be interesting what kind of side we can pour out. Yeah, I, I, 
I go on the premise of recent friendlies that we're going to go reasonably strong because we didn't have a, a huge cohort of players out of the World Cup and mm. those that did go um, fell by the wayside apart from Canate, you know, at a, at a earlier stage and apart from Virgil van Dijk and Alisson, um, Fabinho, Trent, oh, sorry, and Henderson. Um, Fabinho and Trent didn't really take part. I think probably combined, he probably got 90 minutes between them across eight games, yeah. um, nine games that their countries played. Um, and then, obviously, Alisson um, featured for Brazil and Van Dijk featured for, for the Netherlands on every appearance. And, and Henderson, to his credit, um, performed well, uh, but he did look like he was running on empty. You know, we all know as Liverpool fans, you can't roll out Jordan Henderson every three or four days for 90 minutes no. or 80 minutes and expect him to be top end. Like You know what you're going to get, but you've got to manage him. And, you know, the genius that is Gareth Southgate doesn't know how to manage players. No. What a surprise that is. Um, yeah, because if they did manage to do I mean, if Harry Kane knew how to take a penalty and keep it under the bar, then, you know, and they somehow managed to get through, what state would the players have been in for the next game? It, it, it's it smacks of you know non-surprising really, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the lads have come back and obviously Darwin um, when I was in the group stage and he, he appeared in the friendly um, recently played on Friday against Milan and and got himself a couple of nice goals. Um, so I would imagine you know we're going to go seventy-five percent of what would be eighty percent or of a of a of a lineup you'd be more than happy to see in the Premier League, but. Man City will do the same because they've got players who went out there like Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan. Um, they went out in the group stages for their countries. So, Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy, by searching for Anfield Index. You know, that, that freak up front has, has been sat in a laboratory for five, six weeks, just oiling his, his, his cogs up, so he's going to be back up the top of the field. So it's probably a, a, an even sort of matchup. However, if Liverpool decided, right, well, our priorities lie with the Premier League and we're going to go on field half a dozen under-23s, under-21s, and a couple of squad players, and that's what we feel necessary. Again, the media narrative will be, you are disrespecting the EFL Trophy or the EFL Cup, and how dare you do this when you've got players available? Because, you know, why should Liverpool not prioritise a bigger trophy? Because to be in the Club World Cup, which we were a few years ago when we couldn't play, you have to win the Champions League, which, checking through my notes... Apart from Chelsea, no one else out the Premier League's won that in recent times. No. So, you know, you, you can't have, you can't sit there and say, oh, how wonderful this Liverpool team are for winning the Champions League, but at the same time, not reward them, you know, the privilege to go and actually represent 
not only your country, but your continent in the Club World Cup. But you must play it, the uh, the kids, yeah. And I, I'm not I'm not too fussed. I would like to see us win on Thursday. But as I said earlier on, if it was offered to us that we were successful in other competitions with the loss taken on Thursday, then that would be fine by me. And you've got bigger games coming up very quickly soon after that. Yeah, and I think, if, I mean, the way to highlight how much you'd happily sort of have this game thrown if it came to it, which you don't want to do. You want to, you want a team to be put out there that's got a chance of winning or at least trying to win. But if it was like, if this season was as close as last season and this game was being played in April... And then a few days later, you were playing a league game against City, which we you know you, no one would even question which one of the two games would have the weaker squads. You know, which you know you, you'd almost you'd be surprised if you if you sent out your weak squad for the Carabao Cup game and were faced by a City first choice squad, that uh, first choice team. The only difference is, of course, is that City have um, very very deep pockets, and and their second choice team is probably more expensive than many. Premier League clubs first choice team, but there you go. That's just that's just how it is. We're back on money again, aren't we? So, um, I mean, I think for me, I always like to see us get further. I'm never that bothered if we do go out early in this cup because you just get on with it, don't you? You just move on. But it, it is nice when you do get to a final and when you win. It's a great day out, like you said, Wembley, uh, Anfield, South. All of that, all of that's great. That's all part of this club's history and everything. But um, it's not the bread and butter. The bread and butter is what kicks off again on what we call Boxing Day. What people in Ireland call St Stephen's Day I don't know what the rest of the world calls it it probably calls it the day you go back to work um, not here um, it's a bank holiday and it'll be followed by another bank holiday because we get one for the Christmas that's on the Sunday so um, massive massive game in the sense that apart from this Carabao Cup game this is when the season gets going again and I don't know about you but I'm almost getting to that stage now where I'm looking forward to it like you're looking forward to the first game of the season like you've been on you've been starved of it for too long and now it's all going to start happening again isn't it yeah I mean I literally just loaded up the Premier League app because I weren't sure how many points we had and where we were on the table <laughs> I don't want to um, remember that but I've tried to forget that bit. <laughs> I know but I, I, I like because you know if, if you're like many other people who play fancy football then yeah. That you that you go to, you sort of you work off your fixtures slash your fancy football team. So, um, and that's obviously not being touched because of the the uh, recent Coach, international yeah, football. Well. So, <laughs> yeah, um, fourteen ga- fourteen played twenty two points, four points behind those down the East Lanks, um, yeah. and seven points behind Tottenham. We were in fourth. However, we have got a game in hand on Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, we need to get a move on. Um, you know, let's let's be realistic here. We're we're fifteen points behind Arsenal. Um, the the title is it's all but gone in terms of like you know there's a hell of a lot of teams between us. Or like there's a hell of a lot of football to play, but that's a huge gap to make up. And you know naturally Arsenal won't maintain the pace and the form that they've got. And we you know we shouldn't be as bad as what we've been. We hope anyway. Um, but then obviously you've got to factor in other teams in in the league. So, you know, we we just got to focus on our on our own performance and make sure that we are in, you know, the, the top positions because then that obviously makes sure you are in a better position to qualify for the Champions League. Which is again we've, we're coming back to money, but that's where you need to be yeah. because that's where the the big money is. That's where the big attraction is for players who 
who may or may not be be interested in joining us. So it, it, it's it's a good game, I think, just to get back involved in you know nostalgia, Aston Villa, um, albeit not without one of our club legends in charge anymore. The they're a well-established Premier League team. It's a it's a decent ground. It's half five on Boxing Day. It's a it's a good time, I think, for for an away fixture. I wouldn't be happy if it was a home fixture because it's just an absolute stinker. It just ruins your day. I think if if Boxing Day football was to be traditional, it's three o'clock. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, it half five isn't isn't a bad time for those people who. We want to maybe go in the pubs and clubs and watch it. We want to sit down with the family and, or maybe sit away from the family and watch it. It's it's not a bad time in, in the day where you know there's other football going on, um, and then you you know you can you've got something to look forward to. Um, what I'm not happy with is looking further down the line. We've got a game on the thirtieth at home to Leicester on a Friday night, which is eight pm. Like that's an awful time for for football to be played. Like. I just think you know traditional values of Christmas. Why can't the league just stick to to three o'clock? But again, <laughs> we come up to it's money and looking on the on the app that um, all these games on Boxing Day are paid for or shown by Amazon. Yeah, so you know they they're getting their fingers into the the Premier League pies in the last few years, and obviously I'm sure they're paying a handsome price for that. But they then dictate that football must be played at all different hours of the day and. Yeah, because they pay for that whole match days, they call it. They, they, have, they, they even have the cheat to call it, you know, match day seven, when it's a match day that takes three days to play. That's not a day, is it? So, um, so yeah, they've definitely done that, haven't they? They've got games three days running. Um, there's a day off after the last prime game, which is Leeds City on the Wednesday. And then straight away on the Friday, we're, we're playing, you know, the next round of fixtures, which are then the usual split, at least in this country, between BT and Sky. It's And then, of course... Look, I mean, I'm just paging through the app like you like you are now, and they're, they're just coming thick and fast. It's hard to see a gap, isn't it? They're just like the 29th a day off for football, and then that's it then until the 6th of January, at least from the Premier League. But of course, that gets us to the weekend when it's the FA Cup. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and the 6th of January, Evan, playing Man United in the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, again, speaking to my friend in work who has paid £46 for the privilege to go to Old Trafford and watch Everton play United. Now, I could have thought of many, 46 of the reasons he could have spent those pounds on, but that's his choice. Um, To be in Old Trafford and watching Everton as well, that must be 
Yeah, all you can hope for if you, if I was if I had to go to that, I'd just be hoping for like a really good on pitch brawl or something like that. You know, really. Yeah, because the chances are you're probably going to get rained on because the roof doesn't work there either. No. Um, so yeah, like that then again <laughs> brings us to our third competition in the space of two weeks of returning to football and and just shows the manic chaotic sort of you know way that the football world works and. Unfortunately, that's what we're probably going to have to get used to now because of of what's transpired in the last few weeks. And the World Cup is we're going to be lost in terms of what we're playing, who we're playing, what competition it is, what time we're playing, what day we're playing. It's just all a bit crazy. It, it it's it's part of the Christmas sort of traditions in in England of of the football, but it does seem like a hell of a lot. And actually, they've took a game out because there used to be a game sort of wedged between Christmas and New Year of right but obviously as you say the 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 big boys at Amazon have sort of decided well because that game doesn't exist they'll spread it out um, and give us one day off. So we yeah. we've lost a fixture that we would normally have I think because we would normally play just before Christmas be- between Christmas and New Year and then New Year's Eve or New Year's Day sort of time. Um so if if they're classing that as doing us a favour then well but thanks for that. Yeah, and of course, all these fixtures still cost as much to watch as well, and it's just as much to get your subs as well, at least in this country. I know, I know some countries you kind of get it for next to nothing, the football, which is good. Um, I mean, it's such, I mean, this is the other thing as well. You like, I don't know what it's like around the rest of the world, but all of a sudden when the World Cup's on, maybe not so much this time, because there was definitely a lot of negativity about it, but people who don't watch footy are suddenly watching footy because the World Cup's on the telly all the time. It's not, tucked away on a subscription channel that they they don't pay for it's sort of it's free and available to everyone to watch with or without ads depending on where you watch it and the viewing figures just go sky high and i know that it's all about money but it's such a shame that more of these games aren't accessible to just everybody without having to pay a sub or without having to um use some um unusual methods to try and get to see a game but that's it's kind of how it is now with footy isn't it i mean the fact that Prime can show all these games as a, and it'll all be for, it'll all be streamed, so we won't watch them on a normal channel. You'll watch them on a on a stream on Amazon on Prime in the app, which is sort of can be really hit and miss, especially when there's loads of games on at the same time. But you know, it kind of proves that it can be done. Yet the, the Premier League, for some reason, don't want us to see footy that's played at three o'clock on a Saturday on TV in this country. And even then, they don't want us to see every game. They just you know, this, the number of games we don't get to see officially in this country is un, unreal. Um, and again, to, to see them officially when they are shown, you've got to have so many different subscriptions. Um, I mean, Amazon is probably the best value one because, to be honest with you, I was probably paying that anyway because I buy most stuff off them because at least they tend to turn up the courier. Little dig there at um, some of the couriers in this country. Um, but, you know, it's it's... Amazon, you know, however good or bad they are, I mean, at least at least they aren't ripping us off by charging a shitload more to watch the footy. To be fair to them, that's about the only good thing I can say to them. But um, the price now to watch footy is getting out getting out of hand, and I do think uh, something something Tony thinks said as well is that the game now isn't isn't aimed at people like us as much anymore, is it? It's been slowly but surely taken off us. Yeah, t- t- again. It's just money, money, money from from every single angle, and it's it's baffling how much it costs for us to watch football on so many different platforms. But then, if you live in other parts of the world, you basically get all the games on on one sort of platform for a much 
cheaper price and even those games that kick off at three o'clock and I know that's sort of a contentious one because it's embargoed for, for reasons of protection of lower league football as well. Um but you you can sort of see where it's going. You can sort of see that like, you know, Amazon is slowly, you know, digging the, the claws into the football game and what wouldn't be a surprise is if there was a streaming service set up where every Premier League game was available. Um, via some sort of streaming platform like you know your Netflix of football or something yeah. like that, um, which might actually be very appealing for some people. Like if you could, uh, you know, you could pay a subscription of a of a Netflix style, and you had every single Liverpool game available to you, then I think you you get a hell of a lot of subscriptions and signups for it. If the clubs would were able to sort of you know take a slice of that pie themselves, I'm sure. There probably is discussion somewhere in in boardrooms at a high level of trying to get something like this set up. It's obviously the the mechanics and getting things away from you know as we've said before, all them greedy fingers of all the, the different organisations who all want a big slice of the football pie. Um, but it, it 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 is it's a joke in terms of how much we have to pay, and not only that, obviously like the cost of of living at the moment in the UK is absolutely scandalous and if you if you are in a privileged position which I am myself in terms of being able to to afford to go to the game then then you are very lucky you do take every moment to to go to the match like as a joy because you know who knows there, there might be a time when you might not be able to go to the game but you know it if you are then you got you got to put all into it because you're paying a hell of a lot of money, then why not go and, and give your all and scream and shout? But yeah. if you, if you are sitting at home, you're also you're probably frustrated if if you're not getting the value for your money either because the so I, the commentary mm. it, it, it's been bothering me. It's, it's in my mind what you were sat for. That's what you were going to go down with the uh, the BBC ITV thing for the World Cup. The level no, of on, I, saw, I saw your tweet about it. You were fuming. Oh, and, um, I was, it just, I I'm trying to ignore I, commentators at the minute because they piss me off so much. Le- but someone in our house put the um, Red Bull soapbox derby thing on before with Fletch doing the commentary. So, you know, I can't escape it. But yeah, it's not been the best World Cup for our commentators that we oh, see on shocking. our telly, has it? If we, if we could get Peter Drury on any sort of commentary for Liverpool. I'd, I'd happily subscribe to a, to a platform if we had Peter Drury exclusively as our commentaries there because... Yeah, you'd pay like an extra bit, wouldn't you? Like, if they yeah. called it That Channel Gold or something because it's got him on, you know, just platinum version. Yeah, or even if you, you know, you could you could all have alternative commentary on, on the channel because he brings football to life. Um, and for anyone who's not aware of the sort of drivel that we've had to endure if you live in the UK, the likes of Danny Murphy, Jermaine Genus, Lee Dixon, you know, the the bottom of the barrel sort of pundits. I don't want to upset guy, times. but yeah, Ali McCoist as well. Um, but I'm I, don't, I don't mind Ali in terms of he, some of his one-liners, um, but he doesn't sort of state the, the cliches too much. He sort of just does sort of speak his mind a little bit. Um, and I did enjoy his, his dig at you know the fact that M- M- Mbappe scored a hat trick that was all over the line in a World Cup final. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I know it's free TV in terms of ITV or you know licensed payers for the BBC, but putting us through Jermaine Genus for the World Cup final or Sam Matterface and Lee Dixon 
when you, you send a gnome experienced established football commentators who know what they're talking about earlier on in the competition it, it is poor and if anyone hasn't seen Peter Drury's analysis of you know the the Argentina final penalty and his description of Messi um I, I'd employ us to go and find it probably two half three minutes long but he brings football to life especially if you're at home watching it on TV like he he basically is so passionate regardless of who it is. Um, it does make you fall in love with football and that's what a game of that magnitude yesterday deserved. But yeah, bring, bringing it full circle, it's, it's just a bit of a, a bit of a mad one in terms of what what we're, we've we got to pay and what we're getting quality-wise isn't the best. No, no, it's not. I mean, we should we should be getting more of it for free in this country, I feel. You know, we, it's like, I accept money's got to come from somewhere and they've got to pay for somewhere. I... You know, the the government has rules that certain certain events have to be on terrestrial, what they used to call terrestrial TV, on, on sort of free-to-view TV. Um, like the British Grand Prix has to be on it, and I think Wimbledon has to be on it, and some cricket games have to be on it, and the World Cup has to be on it, and, and things like that. But The you Olympics. Know, you, the Olympics, so all that kind of thing. But there's no, you know, they, they should have, they could at least say maybe 20% of the Premier League has to be on on free to view TV of some kind because that would that would open it up to so many more people and give people a chance to see it. But yeah, they also need to sort the commentators out because that's not down to like having no money. That's just down to somehow thinking that's the kind of commentator people want. I mean, my daughter was watching the game with me the other day and she said she'd noticed like lately commentators have got far more opinionated as well. Like they used to kind of tell you what was going on and they'd tell you when something was great and things like that, but they weren't I don't know, they, they, they're sort of doing the punditry bit as well now, which is a bit odd. And, and yeah, pundits, I mean, I, I don't mind some of the pundits sometimes, but generally speaking, I can zone out. And the one good thing I'll say about your Christmas view, and if you're watching anything on Amazon is, at least last time, if you've got the, depending on which app you use, I think if you go through the Fire Stick, there's a button you can press and you can just have the sound of the crowd, not the sound of the commentator. And it's such a relief. Um, and also then if anyone starts swearing in the middle of the songs, you don't get told about how you must have been offended by it and apologised to over it because you've <laughs> never heard a swearing ever, a swearing song ever at a football match, have you? So that's something to look forward to on that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure when our play is actually going to start becoming available because I'm not sure normally after the World Cup, there's a good couple of weeks, isn't there, where they're not even allowed to come and train and then you've got a bit more of a gap before they can play. So I don't, I don't know who we're going to put out. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I don't know when we're going to be fully at full strength. You know, who's going to be in goal for us and things like that. When does Ali come back? They, these are all questions that I'm sure will unfold over, over Christmas. But it'd be nice if we could just sort of end 2022 with a couple of wins, wouldn't it? Just get what's been a really weird year out of the way. Um, so at least this, this, you know, going to the new year with a bit of hope that we're going to start winning again. Yeah, and, and this sounds really cheesy, but you know they say like football is a game of two halves. But this year <laughs> for Liverpool has literally been a year of two halves of football because you know up until the summer we would go for an unprecedented quadruple, and you know we wrapped up the domestic trophies, two trips to Wembley, well three trips to Wembley, even include the semi final. Um, you know, when an unfated trip to Paris for the Champions League final, run City so close, and we went into the summer so optimistic, thinking, right, well, we just know we just need a couple of little tweaks here and there. Didn't get them. Um, whatever sort of went on 
pre-season seems to have had a knock-on effect in our performances and we've not really been a side that we recognise for, for some games. Um, and then obviously the disruption of the World Cup, which we've, we've never seen before in the middle of a, a domestic season, has thrown everything askew. Um, so it is really been a year of two halves in terms of being a Liverpool fan and and, and following the club and the success and um, disappointments that we've had. But you're only sort of really looking back too much as, as, as your last game. And I think our last game we played was Southampton before um, the domestic football finished. Can't remember the yeah. final result, but we won. We won. <laughs> um, yeah, we definitely won. Uh, that was at Anfield. I can't remember exactly how it all transpired, but um, I think Darwin scored. I can't remember. But you, you're right in terms of, you know, we've got the opportunity coming up. If we beat City in the Carabao Cup, that cup's there then to be won because the only other sides real of note um, left in the competition are Manchester United and Newcastle United. If we're being wholeheartedly respectful to all the other teams um, and the, the other ties because it was this weird thing. I remember in the last round where loads of the London clubs went out, like the likes of Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, West Ham, yeah. um, all fell by the wayside. So, you know, it basically is a winner take all opportunity in this in this Carabao Cup tie on Thursday and yeah, like they've offered again a trip to Wembley would be lovely, but you've got a couple of league games and then, you know, we go straight into the FA Cup and whatever, but an opportunity to put six points on the board going into New Year and then we play Brentford on the second. If we could put nine points across them three games, it would catapult us surely a couple of places up the league. And Everyone would then go into the new year with a bit of optimism, you know. If the the Carabao Cup game goes the right way, you know, even more cause for optimism. You know, you've you've beat Man City for the third time in in six months. It would be the real sort of boost, the step in the stride that we need, and yeah. and then, and then we go on from there. We do, we see where where the year unfolds because naturally we tend to be better between January and May. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Under Jürgen Klopp, I don't know if it, the, the, the statistics also prove that, but it just gives you the feeling that the second half of the season, we do seem to rally and sort of go on long successful runs 
Um, you know, fingers crossed, and I don't want to raise anyone's hopes before the whole silly season shit kicks off again. But you know, maybe sometimes that's because we've managed to go out and get a Virgil Van Dijk or a Luis Diaz to just you know make our second of our half of our season just that bit more comfortable. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll go and buy someone. Yeah, I'm not raising my hopes anyway. You know, I'm not. I'm really not raising my hopes. I know loads of people are, and then I've, I've found found over the years with transfer windows, if you expect nothing, you've got less chance of being disappointed, and you know and that works out quite often, quite well for us. Um, but yeah, if, if we can buy players, I'm sure we will. But I'm really not sure if we can. I don't know what's going on, and it's um, another worry for another day, though. Because let's sort of enjoy the footy. Hopefully, um, we actually played, didn't we, four times at Wembley last year, and we won them all because we played. Um, we played in uh, two FA Cup games there, obviously the semi and the final. We played in the Carabao final and we played the Community Shield as well and we beat City and that. So um, maybe we could play more games at Wembley because, you know, we don't do bad there. Let's let's see. Um, I'm just thinking as well, this um, couple of, I mean, there's so much going on again as always and the, a couple of things are kind of a bit... I don't want to sort of darken the mood too much as it's coming up to Christmas, but there's a couple of things going on that's not really about stuff on the field, but it's just stuff about... Um, stuff that goes on in this country that just takes your mind back to, to crap that's been foisted at Liverpool and Liverpool fans down the years and a couple of things have come up so number one um, perhaps the perhaps the more serious one of the two is last week um, at the O2 Academy I think it's called in Brixton uh, or the Brixton Academy um, the O2 is a, is a mobile phone company but they sponsor loads of venues in the UK um, like the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, there's an O2 Academy in Liverpool and so on. Um, there was a load of, well, basically someone died in a crush outside and the, the, the news reported at first there was there was a crush and I think four people were critical. And straight away it was people were there without tickets and it was caused by people who, there, who were there without tickets. Now, it's all been very sketchy about what's actually happened and the information that's come out. And obviously there's going to need to be inquiries and evidence is going to have to be shared. And I'm not saying for one minute that maybe that it wasn't um, people without tickets that caused some kind of an issue because there were a lot of people there. But the, the thing that gets me, and it always got me about Hillsborough, was when they were saying it was ticketless fans that caused Hillsborough, we were too quick to say, hang on, no, it wasn't ticketless fans. No, it wasn't drunken fans. No, it wasn't fans turning up late. No, it was literally because one of you opened a gate and let it happen because you didn't manage the game properly because you allowed a game to be played at a, safe, a stadium that didn't even have a safety certificate that you gave the uh, the best-supported club the, the smaller end of the ground that you just basically messed up big style and people died as a result so because we had to say all of that the bit we never really got to say was but what if it had have been ticketless fans who were drunk and arrived late how on earth does that get the police off the hook that people died that police couldn't control that situation that they are so inept that they allowed that situation to happen now we never got to say that about Hillsborough because we had to go through all the other layers of lies and wrongdoings that were that were being thrown but this is the thing that's, that's done me head in a bit about the Brixton situation that no one should be dying going to watch a gig you know, that place should be safe. There should be enough security on to keep it safe. If there's signs of problems, there should be police on hand to get it. Just as an idea of how bad things are at the minute in this country. And maybe maybe where you are, you're sort of used to this. I don't know. I I, I always thought that if we dialed 999, which is kind of the equivalent to 911, that you'd get through to someone really quick and you'd get asked if you want fire, police, ambulance, wherever. 
and then you get through to them and then you'd have someone with you really really quickly and depending on where you live maybe it'll take longer last um weekend before last somebody fell on the ice right near where i live and my wife's a nurse i'd heard people outside making a commotion my wife went out to see if she could help he had a fractured skull he was in a really bad way his sats were really low he was he was in a really really bad way people had phoned for an ambulance it didn't come the ambulance never came um, I phoned the police up part way through this because it was icy and there were cars whizzing past, lorries whizzing past. It looked like the people who were trying to help him, he was in the road on a freezing cold night, um, were also going to get hit and hurt. I was on the hold, on hold to the police for over 10 minutes and they got no answer on, on the emergency line. Um, in the end, they came because I think the people who did get through to the ambulance, there were two who tried, only one got through, that they must have said what was going on and they got the police to come. The ambulance never came. Luckily, a passing firefighter who'd been out been out to the pub that night wasn't drunk or anything. Um, saw what was going on, and he managed to contact his mates at the local fire station. And in the end, in the end, an hour after he fell, or more than an hour after he fell, the guy was taken to hospital in the back of a fire engine. Um, you know, they had a, a sort of board to move people on. This this is the state of the country at the minute, and we're just sitting here and letting it happen. You know, we're, there's so much wrong with this country right now. And I know it makes us all sound miserable, but it needs sorting. That's, that's sorry. That's a rant. I had to get that off my, off my, off my chest, but you know, stop hiding behind ticketless fans. Cause as you know yourself, Jay, what did they say in Paris? What was the pre-prepared excuse for people getting into the ground? Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was our fault. Like yeah. we got there late and we tried to storm the ground and if anything, we knew, well, I, it took me a, a day, basically, to get to Paris because of, you know, a sham sort of coach organisation yes. that didn't really work. But that's a whole new um, topic of discussion. <laughs> but basically, I should have been in Paris at 8 o'clock Saturday morning. I got there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon um, after travelling, you know, the best part of 24 hours after leaving my own house at 4 o'clock on the Friday to, to leave uh, for Paris. But... The the game we we knew there was, you know, one basically metro station from where we all were in sort of the city centre for the fan zone, um, which wasn't the best setup in terms of, you know, the the region and the the, the, the dimensions and layers of that. But we knew we had to get to the ground in good time, and you know, people who were gone even earlier than us were all relaying messages back saying it's chaos, and this is like three and a half hours before kickoff, we're getting told, like, get up here, it's chaos, it's so yeah. busy, it's going to take you ages to get in. Um, and then, you know, being being funneled through through small gaps and, you know, aggressive policing and, you know, basically be, being treated like worse than, than animals. Like, you know, basically like a shoal of fish into a net. You were... You were you were put into this little small situation where you had nowhere to go, and then you know what transpired at the actual proper turnstiles because this was just the, the pre-turnstile sort of checks without you know the 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 locals or non-locals who were were present next to the sort of officials who were checking your tickets, trying mm. to swipe your tickets and and your belongings, um, you know all the the hoo-ha with the tear gas and the, the heavy handed police and the locking out of fans. And, you know, it, it, it was all sort of set up to, you know, make us be the ones who were in the wrong, regardless yeah. of, of, of whatever we did that day, we were never coming out of there 
It's like they knew they were going um, to get this, isn't it? It's like they knew they were going to get people, locals, trying to swipe tickets and stuff like that. So they thought, how can we yeah. make the narrative? Blame it on the foreigners. Um, I mean, another thing, just briefly as well. I mean, I know it was happening in Qatar. There was claims that ticketless fans were there were delays because of fans without tickets. And I can't imagine the strict regimes they got in Qatar that people would would bother to try and get anywhere without a ticket. But I don't know. That's that's another story. It just feels like the the sort of lazy excuse to use all the time and just blame that. And also, when you're blaming that act as if that's that makes it all okay even if that was true it's not okay you know if people yeah. have arrived without tickets what the hell are you doing for the people who arrived with tickets you know what the hell are you doing for people who've arrived with tickets only only to find they were they were sold forgeries and didn't know you know there's a lot you know that i know there's always any, in every crowd of people there's going to be some bad people that's that's life but most of them are not bad people these are perfectly respectable people but you're treating them like dirt and i'm sure that's going to be what comes out from what happened at brixton that um, you know, a woman died because of poor organisation and the poor organisation's answer to it was to blame the people who died, basically. And that's just, I'm sick of that happening. Um, I liked Gary Neville's um, outburst as well. Um, and it kind of made me think of it then when you were saying about we're, we're having a go at what happened in France. We should. What happened in Paris, we should. But you know what? We're, we're crap over here as well and we need to get our own country sorted quite clearly and then um, Gary Neville was saying similar things I mean all the awful things that happened in Qatar then meanwhile we're at home watching nurses go on strike and ambulances not turn up and postal workers not wanting to work and train drivers not wanting to drive trains and and all the rest of it and, and the way we're treating people over here has been ridiculous it's just um yeah it's not it's not things are not nice at the moment in my opinion um they could be a lot nicer and we need to get that that's sorted. Um, there's so much going on. There was another thing I was going to mention as well, wasn't there? Now my brain's gone because I've just had my rant. Uh, <laughs> there was. You, this is for anyone who, who listens to us. We <laughs> we will go into a podcast and we'll have no genuine structure apart from a three or four minute chat before we start with probably a, few a ideas list of about, about seven, yeah. <laughs> seven or eight things. And there was two things that you mentioned at the very beginning and it's completely bereft me of what you actually said it can't um, have been that important can it it was something we, that was annoying me but you know yeah we, we go off on on the tangents and before you know it, we've we've passed an hour of your time i've worked out what it was actually i've now worked out what it listen. was <laughs> hopefully people have enjoyed what we actually have spoke about for the last hour because uh um that that's just how we work and to be honest i this is the, how we'd the, be in the pub though isn't it this, You're is, having a this is the true pub. reflection of what the yeah. podcast is yeah like, it's a free, free, free reign sort of chat between people with very similar interests. Who you, you hopefully, if you're on a commute, if you're on a dog walk, which is what I like to listen to podcasts. If you are listening in work, if you are listening at home, if you're you know looking to just pass an hour of your day, like hopefully we give you the the sort of feeling that it's just two people sat down, maybe in a living room, in in a pub, in a you know, in a park, just having a chat and a ramble, because that's what the idea for this podcast is. And um, it is, yeah like, like, yeah, like before a match, like everyone goes on about how good the match is, but after time, it's catching up with your mate. You go to the match with, isn't it? As well, you know yeah. that kind of stuff. And um, I've remembered what it is. It was um, so as in Liverpool, we're not exactly royalists, right? But but also, I don't think we're we're keen on seeing people treated like shit by the media because we've been treated like shit by the media, and. I've got to, I'm going to say the media, you know, in a way we're the media, what we're doing and stuff we've done in the past and that. So we kind of could easily be put under the same umbrella, but I don't think we are. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to be the media that 
is the way media should be trying to be honest trying to give opinions that are, are you know were heartfelt and trying to sort of back up what we say with evidence if we can and all this kind of stuff and not trying to do it to suit someone else and and the issue was a, a newspaper we don't buy the sun printed a column from um someone who used to present a motoring show on the bbc jeremy clarkson he's now paid a lot of money by prime of all people and he writes for the sun so he's not the nicest person is he and he's having a go at Meghan markle which um we're not royalists we're not that bothered but the way she's been treated and, and harry's been treated by the media in this country is just you know a massive signpost of how bad the media are in this country that they can quite happily skew any story to suit what suits them and um basically jeremy clarkson said that he looks forward to the day when Meghan markle rides around naked on a horse and has shit thrown at her he wrote that in his column and I believe he's apologised since, thinking, trying to play it down. Even his own daughter had a go at him. But the the, the fact is that um, that that isn't sort of... He's written that crap, right? But he's not, he's not the person behind it. He's just one of the latest lackeys under the owner. And I just want to quickly read a quote out from Philip Pullman, who's the author of... His Dark Materials, which is, you know, it's worth, worth having a read of that those books if you have a shot or something to read. Um, and he's written this, he's put, In himself, Jeremy Clarkson is nothing. A brief, loud noise and a brief, bad smell. The arse that emitted him, as I said yesterday, is Rupert Murdoch. And that's something we've just got to remember. Kelvin McKenzie was the arse that Rupert Murdoch emitted in 1989. And he's emitted a lot, you know... He, sorry, the arse that emitted Kelvin McKenzie is, is Rupert Murdoch's, and he's emitted a lot of bad smells down the years, and he still does. And um, I'm just hoping the more and more and more these things happen, that the more people can have their eyes open to what the media are like, and we can start having some newspapers that tell the truth instead of lies. Yeah, it's... It's something that we've sort of weirdly become accustomed to, isn't it? Like yeah. certain sections of the media will always tow a certain narrative and regardless of the actual truth in any sort of situation, they'll always have a preconceived narrative in their mind. And that, that again sort of ties in with, you know, what happened in Paris. There was a preconceived narrative of what was gonna happen. Um and you know I've not watched the Harry and Meghan stuff. I, I will because it, it's kind of interesting. It mm. it probably shines a light on the reality of what the royal family and those in and around us sort of them circles actually are. Um, and you know, as you've said before, we people of Liverpool are far from royalists. There probably is a few royalists in and around us in the city, but naturally, as a whole, it's just because of what they what they sort of stand for and what they believe in and obviously it ties in obviously with the, the establishment of the government. It doesn't all sit right. Mm -hmm. It's probably the nicest way to put it in terms of not getting into a, a long-winded um, rant and, and rage about it. But we, we're we wise to, to what actually goes on in terms of those sorts of establishments and we're not going to fall for the people of Liverpool will not fall for sorts of cover-ups and lies and, you know, pretty flowers on on sort of things but yeah it it just smacks of what certain sections are and as you say that the Murdoch controlled media will always have a preconceived story that they are going to tell um, regardless of the actual truth so it, it it's something that's not new but yeah the, the things that come out of Clarkson's mouth in terms of 
what he actually said was was vile and you know we we were sort of praising Amazon before for you know some of the good things that they do in football but the fact that they pay him large amounts of money for for numerous TV shows then you know also shows that you know they can't all be shiny and good because you know if you are going to be worth that much money you probably are going to do something bad along the way yeah and I think the other thing as well is I mean, this is a message to journalists as well, is that you don't have to sort of just do exactly what he says. And I know people might say, ah, but then you'll not get paid. That's your employer. Um, shining example of that is Mr. Tony Evans, who, who couldn't be with us today, unfortunately. But he um, did work for The Times and Rupert Murdoch would ultimately have been his boss. But he was the person inside the tent that was basically, he would not ever have written anything that he didn't agree with didn't feel was right he would never have sort of written stuff that just you know pandered to what murdoch needed and there should be you know if there's more if there were more people like that working in the media we'd have a much better media because you know it's time to stop giving in to these billionaire people who just want to sort of twist what's going on in the world um i mean newspapers are dying sadly and it's no wonder they're basically killing themselves but um that's the serious stuff over. Let's get out of the way now because it is Christmas, isn't it? Um, I suppose maybe we can do another. We'll do more podcasts, obviously, soon, and maybe we'll do a proper look back at the year. But maybe, um, you know, what would you say your hopes are now at this point in the season before we've got to season part two, before we've actually kicked a ball? You know, remembering it was 3-1 against Southampton, by the way, two from um, um, from Darwin and one from Bobby. What would um, what would you think? What would your hopes be now? Sort of realistic hopes for this season. Um, another cup run in the Champions League because I just think we we've, we've got a special connection with that trophy. Um, and the final is in Istanbul. It, it re- rekindles a lot of really good memories. Mm. Uh, maybe not the first forty five minutes, but um, the there journey. was a lot of good. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of good memories uh, for people and. I know there's a lot of fans who around the world became Liverpool fans because of that game. That was yeah. the first sort of moment they, they collapsed eyes on Liverpool and fell in love with, with the club and what we are. Um so yeah, that would always be, you know, high on, on the list. And I think we just want to see, you know, a more collective performance back to the sort of Liverpool of old, because what it was before the World Cup was not the Liverpool that we've we've known under Jurgen Klopp. It does sort of seem a little bit disjointed but if we can get back to you know the the high energy the you know the the quick counters the goals you know Mo Salah's scored goals but I don't think he's he's really hit the heights this season Um, you know we've been unfortunate with a few injuries but maybe another cup run to Wembley because as you've said earlier on there's never too many of a good good day out at Anfield South Um, and just give a good account of ourselves. We realistically we know the league's probably well and truly out of our grasp this season, but um as as I've said on, on previous times, like I'm fortunate enough to go to the game that the tickets went on sale for the second half of the season a few weeks ago. And just looking at some of the games we've got at Anfield coming up in the second half of the season, we've got obviously the Derby, we've got um United, Arsenal, Tottenham, um, Chelsea, all to come. Yeah. to Anfield like they're, they're the big games like that no matter where you are in the season you get excited for those sorts of games and no disrespect to the other teams we've got to come to Anfield but 
those are the ones that sort of whet the appetite. They will be on um, main on um, broadcast TV for Sky, BT, Amazon, whatever, because they, you know they are the, the pinnacle of of the games in the league probably that weekend. But it, it does sort of get you excited, and you just want to see a good good performance for us for what comes and anything positive in terms of a trophy would always be welcomed. Yeah, I think I'm 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 pretty much along those lines. I'm thinking I want us to get that swagger back, that confidence back, that that feeling that we can beat anyone when we put our, ourselves, you know, when we when we put everything into it, when we do what we can do, we can beat anyone whoever's in front of us. I mean, to get the Champions League final, we've got to beat Real Madrid for example, and if we beat them, we're going to have more battles on the way. But we can do it. I'm not I don't for one minute think we're incapable of beating Real Madrid. We've had a couple of bad times with them, but we've beaten them before at this stage. I'm sure we can beat them this time. It's about time we did. We owe them We owe them that. And I just think if we can go into every game with that sort of approach, um, the derby you mentioned then, we've got to enjoy it. It might be the last one for a while at Anfield, who knows? But, you know, the way, they, the way they're going. But, you know, enjoy it. It's a special game with the, against a special club. And... Um, it's just I think I think if we can go into every single game with that belief that we had over and over again at, at various times this past few past few seasons, if we can have that belief in us, then anything's possible. The league isn't possible. I mean, I think I think if we, I think we're fifteen points behind Arsenal, that means what's that? They've got to lose five games more than we lose all season, and nobody in between has got to sort of you know do very well either because we've also got to overtake the ones in between. But I think. Um, bit by bit, game in hand, etc. We can start chipping away at that gap into the Champions League places, and that's what I want. I mean, I want to end the season if we can. Some silverware um, and a Champions, some silverware and a Champions League place for next season, and um, put twenty two, twenty three down as just one of those seasons that you know started badly, but we learnt the lessons, and you know, hopefully that as well sets us up for another good season, the one after. But the thing is, all of that we've just both said is. It's going to be. We're hoping it's enjoyable, aren't we? That's what we want because that's what football should be, enjoyable. Yeah, and um, you know, just to round it off, we are at the the time of year when people do get together, families hopefully um, are able to get together this year and enjoy it. And you know, Christmas is a time of of love and giving. And if Liverpool can give us some love on the football pitch, that would be really nice. Yes, it would, and. Yeah, wherever you are now, however you're listening to us, walking the dog, commuting to work, coming home from work, trying to avoid someone. Um, maybe it's Christmas Day and you just got some new headphones and you're giving them a go. Um, yeah, just keep listening. You can, you can, the, the, if people are talking about you, it's best if you don't know what they're saying anyways. And you stick your headphones on, turn the volume up, keep listening. Also, keep listening to stuff on Anfield Index whenever you are listening. I know the return of football means the return of pro. I think we've got guys going to do the Carabao Cup. One in the, in the special way guy does, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. Hopefully after a good game, and I think I'm on Raw for the Boxing Day game. I've no idea what state I'll be in, but um, hopefully a fairly sober one. But either way, who cares? Let's hope I'm in a in a happy one, whatever happens. And yeah, from both of us, from all of us at Anfield Index, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Happy whatever it is you do. Um, happy being a Liverpool fan. I think that's what we want to do. Um, for now though that's it from us we will be back very soon but for now goodbye and don't buy the sun we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement 
and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.